0: I'm here with Greg Silker, uh, Greg Silker from Silker Studios in Minneapolis. We're, we're here up in, in Minneapolis. We're at your coffee shop. And, um, but before we, you know, get into this podcast, I just mentioned your name. I mentioned that you have a coffee shop and that you have a studio, but people don't know who you are. Do you want to tell them about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you do?
1: Yeah, so I um, I have a wife and four grown kids, uh, actually three grandkids. Uh, my wife and I split our time between media work and Media uh, and ministry work, mm. so for the past twenty five years we've worked about three months a year doing outdoor media, so uh, photo and then video in the marine market mm. um, and then the other nine months a year we've planted ministries, so we planted this coffee house, mm. bought and renovated an old frat house that has a discipleship house in it, um, and launched probably half a half dozen other ministries mm. uh, led teams that launched those ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what typical right. year looks like for us.
0: Right, right here in Minneapolis. I mean, right this, in, this yep. coffee shop that we're in right now is a border town coffee shop, which I guess do you want to tell them the story of that name and how it came to be?
1: Yeah. So we came to campus. I came to Christ on the university campus many years ago. We felt called back to campus um, to, uh, to try and reach out to people who maybe wouldn't naturally go to church. Mm-hmm. So we, we thought, let's start a coffee house and um uh so border town is meant to be a border town between worlds Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah we found this old abandoned fraternity house Mm -hmm. pursued it for several years um kept on uh, thinking that we're going to get it and then they'd go with another offer Mm -hmm. call us back a year later saying the other deal fell through do you still Mm -hmm. want it ultimately we got in line to buy it but couldn't get insurance um uh came down to the uh, the day we were gonna lose it and uh, couldn't get insurance, so we couldn't get our financing released. Uh, so I called a friend and he uh, offered to give me 300,000 cash to buy it with. So we did that. Wow. Um, you can edit out what part of the stories you don't want. No, I'm gonna keep the whole thing I was just saying. Uh, it would be nice to
0: be able to have a friend I could call for 300,000,
1: yeah, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And so here we are with this building we bought with cash. With mm-hmm. We had no insurance on it. No one would insure us. Um, The 2002 hockey riots took place, and bands of people were roving around burning cars and ticket booths. Wow. They broke into our building Mm -hmm. uh, sometime around midnight, I think, and they were all in here chanting, Torch it, torch it. Um, The guys at the fraternity next door were guarding their parking lot with baseball bats. Really? So they came in here and uh, encouraged the people to leave, uh, (laughs) called us and said, You better get down here. They're about to build your, or burn down your. Really? building so yeah we were it remained intact we were able to wow. start the uh mm-hmm. the ministry here and then the next year we started the um, the coffee house and we've yeah. been in business for about 20 years now
0: wow i think this is actually be more interesting i, know I didn't write any questions down about the coffee house but i'm in madison wisconsin you're in minneapolis so for context greg and i have known each other for maybe a year and a half now mm-hmm. i don't know i met you while i was up Here working on the campaign scott Mm -hmm. jensen's campaign and um you know i've been coming to this coffee house a bunch i realized today i haven't been here in like six or seven months and i was like this just feels so familiar i Mm. i it just feels really great to be at the coffee shop and um you know coffee shops are huge in minneapolis they're huge in madison everybody loves coffee the tell us a little bit about the the business side of of the coffee like the coffee business i mean you've mentioned to me that the margins are small it's not like a easy business to get into what how's that been
1: yeah so i we make our living in media which has great margins Right, yeah. you get paid right. a lot per day to do what you do right. in the commercial advertising world um coffee is about a 10 percent margin business so by mm-hmm. the time you pay your staff and your coffee and all that mm-hmm. kind of things you you got to t- you know mm-hmm. so at 10 percent, if you get off a little bit if you know if your wages go up right. your prices go up uh your costs go up you can you can lose money really fast yeah. um in the beginning, we were losing money in every coffee and we realized, hey, we're losing twenty-five percent every coffee we sell. Yeah. And so we wow. had to make adjustments. Yeah. Um so yeah, but it's been it's been amazing. Um, we love you you do coffee because you love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unless you really want to develop like half a dozen shops yeah, and franchise go for or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's you do it for the love of it. And mm-hmm. frankly, most independent coffee shops don't survive. Yeah. So we feel really fortunate to um to still be here yeah um, it helps that we own the building and yeah. that there are people who pay rent here yeah that covers a lot of those costs mm. so yeah it's
0: interesting I, I like there's coffee shops coming up all over the place in madison but ever since you've told me the the margins in coffee i've had a little bit more appreciation for people who go who try to go into it because mm. or just you know i'm, I'm rooting them on because that is a small margin. If you make, I mean, I know you talked about COVID was a difficult time because there people weren't coming into coffee shops, they weren't buying coffee, and so it's like you're just losing money at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's just a right, not like the media business where you're just making right. you just make a bunch of money. So that's that's yeah. interesting. Um, Okay, your your Silker Studios, obviously your last mm-hmm. name is Greg Silker. So Silker Studios, what? You want to give us a backstory on silker studios how did that start and what are you trying to do with that
1: yeah so my wife and i both grew up in the media business um my dad started his first studio silker studio in little falls minnesota in i think 1957 Hmm. portrait and wedding studio moved to minneapolis in um, maybe 15 years later Mm -hmm. started a commercial photography studio Hmm. that studio um, was where he, uh, he met my wife's father so my my, my oh. our parents worked together really and so that's oh. ultimately how oh. we met we used to have these huge parties they were like 1500 people would come to our party so it was kind of the Mad Men era of advertising so a lot of money was being spent mm-hmm. um, but we'd have like live tigers and dancing you know chorus lines of girls and like was, like where where um, at the studio it was a big studio it was the biggest studio between la and new york Physically, really, and so we had huge sets. We'd have semis in there and boats, and no. and, and you we, were and there. We built houses inside of it, so yeah, you were there. Just yeah, yep, So that- we we'd have so it's a great place to have a party, right? We had our wedding reception yeah. there. Barbara wow. and I did. So so ultimately, her folks, Barb had graduated from college, and her folks saw one of our party posters. They were always had a theme, you know. Mm. So it's a circus one year. This year, I think it was the Mash Bash. Mm. So Everybody dressed up like they were, you know, in the Korean War. Yeah. And, uh, um, her folks just said, you know, soakers are crazy. Um, you'd fit right in. You should go, <laughs> go get yeah. a job there. So yeah. she did. And, uh, and, and so should, she
0: wanted to get into that industry, the film industry. Yeah. That type of
1: thing. Yeah. She, uh, her dad was a commercial artist and mm-hmm. so she's everybody in our family makes their living mm-hmm. somehow, um, mm-hmm. in the kind of trades art, artistic trades. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were there for a number of years. I had recently come to Christ. Um, so is your, your uh, just your parents were Christians? No. Um, my dad came to Christ in his mid forties. Okay. And that was transformational yeah. in a big way for him. And ultimately he led me to Christ. Oh, really? Um, and wow. so through giving me a Bible and wow. me reading it and taking about a year and a half to, huh. for God to get through to me. Yeah. Um, wow. and so, yeah, so Barb and I, we had started a ministry at, uh, downtown Minneapolis from, uh, artists and musicians mm. that kind of blew up, um, in a, not in a good way. Like it was, oh. it was a good thing. Yeah. We, I was back in the Prince era. We even had one of the dudes from Prince's band was part of that, but, really? but it, it, some things happen, um, yeah. with the leadership that shouldn't have happened. And mm-hmm. so we, that blew up and, um, our folks were asking us if we wanted to take over the studio. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we prayed and God said pretty distinctly not to do that. Mm-hmm. He said to leave, Um, leave your father's household and your father's people Mm -hmm. in place your father's will be your sons and you'll make them princes and all the earth and Mm -hmm. we didn't know exactly what that meant but we figured it was a call to ministry and discipleship so so
0: so we left for clarification your 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 dad's studio was not like it wasn't a movie studio was it they they were making Mm -hmm. commercials and all that right they weren't making movies And you were offered this business. I mean, I assume it was like a multi-million dollar business. It
1: was a a really good business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was a commercial photography business. Commercial photography. So we did uh, print, you know, anything. gotcha. um, Any kind of uh, visual print advertising for. Okay. Everything from like Anderson Windows to 3M to (laughs) Calvin Klein to just, you know, that kind of print ad stuff. Back in the days of of magazines and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And it was just God very distinctly told us mm-hmm. it wasn't for us to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we we left and went into kind of missions work. Yeah. Um, eventually ended up going back and finishing a college degree and then mm-hmm. a seminary degree. Um, I had kind of uh, frittered away my time on my first attempt at college. Yeah. And so um, huh. I needed to go back and uh, pick up pieces. Yeah. Um, during that time, we started taking pictures for the Marine market in the summer to pay our way through school. Gotcha. So that's how our current business got started. So I had left it, but then started doing, um, and that's how we started in this pattern of three months of summer work, Mm -hmm. taking pictures Mm -hmm. of boats, uh, and Marine products, and Mm -hmm. then going back to school in the winter time. Eventually when we moved into doing ministry on campus, then we'd come, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd, we'd follow the same academic calendar.
0: So that's how Silker Studios started. So when you were taking pictures in the summer, that was called Silker Studios, or was that just you and your wife going and doing yeah, that? that was- um, It wasn't like, it were, did you name that? Was that like a business at that point? Or when did uh, when did Silker Studios become
1: an LLC or whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah, like my dad, I call him that business after myself. His was yeah. Glenn Silker Commercial Photography. His first oh. business was Silker Studios, which he left with my mom when he moved to yeah. Minneapolis. Uh, and then he started Glenn Soaker Commercial Photography. Mm-hmm. I did the same. I did Greg Soker, Greg Soker, Soker Commercial Photography. Huh. Until that old business from back in 1957 yeah. that was sold a couple of times, eventually closed. And huh. uh, and so uh, my sons and I reclaimed the name really? Soker Studios um, just as kind of a nod to our yeah. family heritage and, right. our, and our folks and that kind of thing. And when did you reclaim the name? Um, that's probably been about... Six eight years ago, oh, wow. something like that. We Recent. had to wait the the old the, oil, the old business was still kind of dribbling along, yeah. You know, uh, and we wanted to wait until it was totally clear. So you went from doing photography
0: right to shooting commercials, yeah. Some, so how, what? Where was the transition there?
1: So basically, it was with my kids uh, joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they just started. Uh, they our they grew up. You know, they'd come out clean boats. You know, and then they mm-hmm. then they'd assist me. Um, and then they started picking up video and so I just went to my clients and said, "Hey what if what if the kids come with me and mm. and they just start shooting video all well, the same time we're shooting the stills yeah um, and we gave it to them real cheap and so they said yes and wow. kids just started learning at that point point. Huh. Um, and then ultimately we you know we just grew that and grew that you know till yeah. yeah, this is
0: something I didn't know that you went, you literally have gone from taking pictures to kind of commercials. And now you're transitioning into movies. Mm-hmm. It's like you every step of, you know, f- photography all the way to film, you've kind of covered all of that. that so you just kind of t- talked about the transition from photography to maybe doing more commercials. And now you're trying to move into movies. And that's Correct. kind of what this whole <clears throat> podcast is is going to be about in certain ways is what what is that process even like in making movies but before we even talk about that i wanted to know why you thought the transition to movies was was the next was the next thing you wanted to do Mm -hmm. i mean movies one are incredibly expensive Mm -hmm. and more than half of them fail Mm -hmm. and you know if you make a bad movie it just looks bad, you <laughs> know. Like mm-hmm. people don't like the bad movies, yeah. and you're a Christian, and so Never you got seen. the whole Christian movie thing, which right. which is really easy to make fun of. And so, what were you thinking when you, when you were like, "Ah, oh, let's let's transition mm-hmm. into making movies"?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you, we love movies, right? Yeah. So that's totally. the first thing, right? right? Who doesn't want to right. make a you know right. make a movie like you seen? Yeah. You know. Oh. Um. Second of all, we. I saw what my son's giftings were and where it seemed like they were being led and that seemed like the natural mm-hmm. step for them. I left my parents' business, one of the main, besides God saying, leave it now, I didn't feel drawn to it because I didn't want to just do advertising. Mm-hmm. Right? I wanted to do more than sell stuff. It's yeah. not, I don't think it's a dishonorable occupation, but right. I, I wanted to do something you know more than that. Mm-hmm. My sons felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, we also, I started to get more and more burdened by the impact of movies Mm. on society. Just seeing how a lot of the ideologies that are being promoted now, they were force-fed, spoon-fed, continually fed to us over the last 30 years, right? Right. You couldn't see a movie without certain themes coming up. And you're just like, well, that doesn't even fit. Why are you doing that?
0: I mean, you watch a movie now and it's like it's a great movie and then there's just some crazy nude sex scene you're like yeah where in the world did that come from and
1: why was that necessary to this to this plot yeah you know exactly and so we we were um it it honestly though was actually the international scene that really compelled us to go whole hog into this Mm because having seen the effect of media on the u.s Mm -hmm. for good and for bad i love movies there's so many good movies you know learn so much from movies Mm -hmm. but um, wanted to um, help some emerging markets that weren't
0: mm-hmm.
1: saturated yet with media mm-hmm. to maybe you know we thought if well if we can uh, help equip people to make movies and help them to stay strong in their walk with God at the same time huh. they might produce content that will yeah. help their society huh. choose a better path and right. so that really was the thing that has been uh, that's been the burden portion of what we You know, that what we carry for the last, you know, eight years or so.
0: Yeah. Well, and you mentioned your son, Matt. I mean, we've, I've worked with Matt on, on some things and Matt's really good. The cinematography, he kind of knows, knows the angles, he knows the vision, he can Mm kind of see. It's weird because I can't see half the time when I look at the camera screen, I'm like, this is kind of foreign to me, but Matt's like a, he's a maestro with it. So Mm -hmm. tell, tell me what, what, one, what's it like working with your son, Matt? Because I, I think about me and my dad and our personalities are a bit different. I think we could work together if we wanted to on certain things, but I also am like, I don't, I don't know if that would work in some way. Yeah. So what's it like working with your son? Um, and, and when did you start to recognize his giftings in cinematography and mm-hmm. film?
1: Yeah, I'm, honestly, Matt has been visual since the day he was, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, Dave was born, you know, he was <laughs> right. waving his hands. Yeah. You know? yeah, But, you know, since he was a very young mm-hmm. boy, he was visual. Um, and uh, and all my kids uh, work or have worked in the business. So my son Josh does, mm-hmm. has done the music for most of our work. Oh, um,
0: like what does that mean? He's done uh, the He music?
1: writes, he composes the music for like-, really? like for the product videos, commercials, stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, my son Ben is a producer, drives huh. our drone um, stuff and, really? um, and does our tower boat driving. So when we do marine work, yeah. we do a lot of close quarters driving with boats at high speeds. Yeah. One of them has a big tower with a catwalk that you stand up on so you can shoot down on the boats. Yeah. So he okay. Ben drives that in wow. ways that are, <clears throat> you know, if he wasn't really good at it, they would be really scary. They're he, still scary. Yeah. Um, so they all and my my daughter Anna likewise does some of our a- animation and um, really I didn't yeah. know that she yeah, yeah. That's and great. and so um, so yeah. yeah so Josh is currently managing the coffee shop but he still does does yeah. music but so if you imagine what it's like if you imagine what it would be like for your dad and you to work together yeah uh, it's probably a lot like that okay <laughs> okay so right. so yeah. there are times that we you know absolutely drive each other crazy right yeah. and yeah. you know there are times when I you know I have to like. People that are working with us, I um, we try and have us have some people working with us that are not part of the family because it keeps us a little more well behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, than if they're than if it's just us, right, right. But um, yeah, there's times we make you know i I find myself I wouldn't say apologizing to, but ex, you know, you know, yeah, it gets interesting. You're doing out business there sometimes. with family. I mean, you, and you got are... vis- people
0: with different visions, and then you add the dynamic in of you're you know i'm your dad you're my son like there's that natural like i you know you're you're the dad so you probably maybe i'm wrong about this but feel like you have a little bit of authority that there's like some authority there and (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so and matt's like i'm my own man like i'm an adult you know you're not gonna tell me what to do and that's so how do you manage that without absolutely blowing up on each other because i think that my dad and i could manage it for a while um But I don't know. I don't know. At some point, i probably just explode and be like, I don't know if we could do this.
1: Yeah. When we're in high pressure situations Mm. is when it gets tight, right? Like when we're rushing and I'm trying to, I I usually want to swing for the fences Mm -hmm. and try and stuff as much in as I can. Yeah. My son, Ben, is more measured and he's like, no, we're going to stay calm. We're going to stay 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 organized and we're not going to do anything dangerous, you know? And (laughs) so, you know, that's where it gets, you know, interesting. but. I say that it works, first of all, because when it doesn't work, we we say sorry yeah, and, and right. make it right. Um, we're committed to each other. Um, but it also works because we're, over time, we're learning and we have learned um, everybody's giftings. Yeah, right. So right. I, you know, because add to the dynamics of father-son, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm wanting to see them. I've, I take seriously the... The calling that God called me out of my family's business, my dad's mm-hmm. business was in place of your fathers will be your sons mm-hmm. and you shall make them princes in all the earth. There mm-hmm. is a call, I think, on, you know, one generation to raise up the mm-hmm. next and give yeah. them authority and say, right. no, this is. And uh, first and foremost would be your kids. That's yeah, the exactly. next generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and in addition to the um, dynamics of generational mm-hmm. and all that, there's also the the dynamics of um your gifting is right, yeah. So, I love to start things, I hate to manage them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my son Ben loves nothing better than to manage situations to boss yeah. people around, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but he's good at it, right? Yeah, right. Um, Matt likes to be like focused and just mm-hmm. he just kind of does this intuitive thing, like you say, where yeah. he just figures out the shot. If you just leave him alone, yeah, he'll give him space and he will come up with something brilliant. That's and-
0: it's fascinating because. I I haven't known your family forever, but I I've done a project with you and Matt, and the thing that I real that I I just from from third party noticed is that you can you're focused on kind of a vision and a big picture, which is similar to myself, like focused mm-hmm. on a big big picture, and Matt is very particular, and mm-hmm. he he knows he kind of knows what he wants to do, and like. Yeah, that's why I really, when we did the one one project that we worked on, I was kind of like, I should just get out of Matt's way and just like let him do his thing because he seems to, he like scans the room, he kind of knows what angles and then he just goes and does it. And I can imagine though, being a visionary like like you and I can be like this too, you kind of have a particular thing in your brain mm-hmm. and you want you want the other person to see it that way. And so it can uh, sparks can fly because they might have a different vision. And so there's this weird dynamic of, okay, I might be in charge here, but I also have to trust that this person's vision and their expertise in this particular field is better than mine. I might have this overall vision. And that's where a lot of conflict I've seen, not Mm -hmm. just in film, but in in business in general, that's where that conflict comes from because the visionaries have a way of looking at it, but you have the people who are kind of beneath the visionary who who are ben- below the directors and producers who can really put that vision into place, but it might not be exactly the way that you think it would be, but that's because they might just be better at that particular thing than mm-hmm. you are. And so the, that dynamic, I'm just trying to think about doing that with a family member. I'm like, that that must be
1: difficult, you know? Right, for sure, yeah. and I. I think ultimately we also work on projects apart from like some Matt mm. needs times so when he's just working on his thing. He yeah, does his right, thing and and, right. and all my kids do their thing and, mm-hmm. and they need that too. Right. Where it's yeah. not always working with, right. with family. And then I do have to say adding to that, my daughter and my wife who are mm-hmm. joining us, my wife is, um, a brilliant creative comes with crazy mm. zany ideas, but now you throw the husband and wife dynamic into that whole yeah. thing and it just gets, um, we, it,
0: Andrew and I haven't figured that out. Yeah. At, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so I, if you can teach us, that would be fen- phenomenal. You learn by, you learn by pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't teach that. No, and we love just, it. We, and we love yeah. it. And I, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but you know, oh. you just, yeah, you, there's no easy way. You You got to figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, I don't know, in the
0: last couple of years actually produced, helped create your first film. Mm -hmm. What was that process like? How did that go? How did that project come to be?
1: Yeah. So we were, um, uh, we were doing short films, just trying to practice learning how to make films and starting to talk to people about international film, and mm-hmm. somebody said, you need to meet this guy, Chris doble who has been doing international film for 30 years. Yeah. So I met Chris, and Chris was uh, had written a film about a father searching for his son who has schizophrenia. Wow. Um, and he uh, welcomed me to join him on the project as mm-hmm. producer. So I produced it along with Chris. Okay. Um, I think as we've talked, the, the title producer is a really fluid term. Yeah, um, right on the smaller projects, this basically means you do everything and you don't get paid uh, and you don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, on bigger projects it can mean anything from, you know, you, you, you'll lend them the use of your mansion or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Right. Um, uh, but so basically I, I joined Chris and it was for us, it was an opportunity mm. to, um, uh, Matt was the DP, the director of photography for yeah. the, for the exterior scenes, um, mm. uh, which is about half the movie. Okay. Um, So we filmed about half the movie with a gorilla crew, you know, like five people out in the snow doing, you know, exteriors and stuff. And then the other half principal, principal photography, um, we shot in about 15 days with, um, you know, we had upwards, probably had 60 people on set at a time during the, during the, yeah. So it was a lot more logistics.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: But for us, it was an opportunity to take what we'd had done in the commercial world and see, okay, what's the difference between this and a movie? Right. So um, what is the difference? What did you find? Wow. We're still learning that, but I think um <laughs> yeah. uh you're not trying to sell
0: a product probably. Yeah, you're
1: certainly yeah, you're not trying to sell a product on a lot of different levels. On a crew level, um there are a lot more crew crew members. The bigger your crew gets, the more right. differentiated your mm-hmm. role your role gets. I learned frankly, um, I'm a get get it done kind of guy, right? Yeah. So on some of our sets when we started principal principal photography. I'd pre-lit them. I'd set them all up to save money, to make sure we could get done efficiently. But once the whole crew got on set, um, I used to show up in like, you know, a black t-shirt and jeans, which was my kind of standard, you know, easy get ready outfit. Um, on the film crew, all the grips and the gaffers, they all wear like khaki shorts, you know, fatigue shorts and black t-shirts. And, um, And I I realized, you know, I would jump in and I'd try and move things and do things. And I realized just about three days that my job on that set was to get a cup of coffee, wear a nice shirt, sit back by the monitor and tell people what to do and make decisions. Uh, But not to touch anything, not to pick stuff up, not to move it around. So you kind of. Yeah. Piss some people off doing that. Yeah, or? I, or just I just realized that I was trying to do their job. Yeah. You know, and okay. I and I wanted to do it my way. And I didn't always agree mm. with the way they did it. And
0: yep. but yep. I just
1: it, for me it was okay. funny. Like my job was to work less, yeah. you know, yeah. sit in the chair by the monitor mm-hmm. with my coffee and and give my opinion. Yeah. Which you which know. is
0: a terrifying thing for somebody like you. Right. You you have this vision, you're a go-getter, you want to... So I've been listening to these interviews and stories about George Lucas and mm-hmm. him creating Star Wars. And that first movie, You know, which was just Star Wars at the time, but now it's A New Hope. It. They filmed a lot of it in England, and most of their crew was from England. And they're over there filming, and apparently there's a rule there where you have to stop working at like five or six mm-hmm. unless everybody in your workplace the the majority votes that you can continue to work on for another hour or two Mm -hmm. and so george lucas is similar he's got this like go get him attitude and he wants to just get stuff done and every time that it came upon you know 5 p.m and they're you know getting ready to to be done for the day well lucas wanted to continue to film and so they would take a vote with everybody on set and everybody would vote against him and it would it just annoyed the crap out of him because he was like we i want like we're running out of money we're running out of time um and so that that just popped in my head as you were saying Mm -hmm. that because it's you know these executive producer director you know people they like want to get this stuff done and everybody else is like no man i like i have a way of doing this and i have you know i get tired at five and i want like you know Mm -hmm. so
1: right yeah No, it totally is. You have to uh, have a lot more people, a lot more personalities, a lot more social dynamics. Mm -hmm. You know, this Mm -hmm. grip is hitting on that Mm -hmm. gaffer Mm -hmm. girl. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and so you're like managing all these human interactions. Wow. Um, But it was, it was an awesome experience. Chris is a, um, he's a great filmmaker. He's a great writer. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got more of an art house sensibility than Mm -hmm. I do. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. more commercially minded, but yeah. um, yeah. But he's a a brilliant filmmaker, and Mm -hmm. it was a great experience to learn, you know, how he runs a set. Yeah, totally. um, Yeah, and it was, um, I think we basically, having gone through that, we're like, yeah, we can do this. Right. You know, not like haughtily, like, oh, yeah, we can do this. It's easy. But more like, no, having done this now, Mm -hmm. we've learned the differences between our ad world and this world. And, and this is, uh, this is doable. So it's just something you have to practice to try.
0: Right. There's something about being on set where you're like, you can read about it. You can listen to interviews. You can listen to directors talk, producers talk, actors talk, but you don't know the kind of chaotic feeling of being on set until you're on set until Mm -hmm. it feels chaotic because there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things but in in reality it's like an orchestra exactly this this group of people are doing their things this group of people are doing their things and it'll all work out in the end but but for the for the moment you can't totally tell and the composer just has or you know the, the composer has to just trust that everybody's doing their thing and there's a lot of trust in in film and so i was doing a project for the scott jensen campaign where i was given ten thousand dollars to create a two-hour live stream that was going to reach thousands and thousands of people and ten thousand dollars is like nothing and uh i'd never ever done a live stream before and i had yeah, I just did not know what I was doing, but I was the like producer director. I was the overseer of this project. I told the campaign, I was like, no problem, I can do this. This is like easy, and um, that was like the most stressful. And I had like two and a half months to put it together. It's the most stressful thing ever. Like I remember the the day of uh, the production. I'm thinking about whether I should say this or not, but I'm going to say it anyways. My wife will get she'll be like, what in the world? But I when we started actually filming because we had this live stream we had two sets we had a bunch of people coming in i mean we had guys like michael orr and john harbaugh we interviewed those guys ron johnson p- politicians coming in and and doing these you know q a's and all this stuff with aud- uh, audience interaction and i've got an audio guy i've got three guys on camera i got a dp and people that i don't like these titles, like DP. I didn't know what that even meant. And the girl was like, I want to be a DP. And I was like, fine, I, whatever you want to call yourself. We just got to get this thing done. And uh, that day I was like, like we didn't have some sort, like some piece of equipment. We literally didn't have it that we needed on the day that like, if you don't have this, you can't do a live stream. Well, our audio guy worked at a local church where they live streamed everything. So he drives over like an hour before drives over to the church. And I'm just praying like, Like, Lord, please help this thing where he goes and he gets the thing, comes back, it all works out. Well, then two minutes before we're going to actually start the live stream, the power in the the studio goes out. So I rented the studio. It's a really cool place, but the power goes out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we get the power back on. We start a little bit late and I had to like go to the bathroom so bad from the beginning and it's a two hour thing and at the end of it i'm doing a 30 minute q a with scott jensen and matt burke who are the running candidates and i remember after the live stream was over everybody's like glad and relieved that it was done i remember i just sprinted to the bathroom and i was just it was i've never had to go to the bathroom so bad in my life it's been so stressed all the same time (laughs) and people don't recognize like these are incredibly stressful situations and there's just so much all happening at once. And you don't know that until you're there, until you're on set. So when you were on set, it, how I guess from the, from the point of, hey, you should be a part of this project to the point of, okay, from concept to screen, what in the world happened? What were the steps and kind of what, what was your run through that emotional roller coaster with, with us so people can know what actually, what does it actually take to create a movie? What are the steps mm-hmm. and what was the budget and that kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know if you can, you can say what the budget was, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can. We, our target budget originally we wanted to raise uh, between two and $3 million. Okay. Um, we never made that, about that part, We raised uh, about a million, a little under a million. Okay. Um, and it came in, in, fits and starts and so we decided to do the movie as we were able to raise money um well one of the early decisions was that we went with chris christobo cruzan who was the writer director as mm-hmm. and he's also it's the story about his life with his son mm-hmm. daniel and um mm. uh we decided to have him as the father he's an actor he's a he's a, an accomplished actor as well so you're saying he was a director producer and and, lead actor actor, yeah wow we originally thought we were originally you know gunning for people like you know bill murray and and we had somebody trying to stalk him but um it didn't work it didn't work no No, and um and we realized with our budget if we could have uh there were a lot of snow scenes in our movie so we thought well if we if chris is our guy then we basically can get all set up and then whenever it snows we get out there right so we just you know You know, what what it cost us, you know, $30,000 to add snow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We got it for free because we went out in the blizzard, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think one of the first things was, you know, you hear this all the time on, if you listen to the extras, you know, hey, we work, you know, I looked at this script 10 years ago, you Mm -hmm. know. The the amount of time between concepts and deciding to go for something and when you actually get on set. Mm You know, so we um it was three years, basically three years wow. of we'd meet every week to pray, we'd we'd plan, we'd um, you know, meet with potential supporters. Yeah, right. But that that development of of uh you know trying to build a team and raise the money was three years. Especially for independent
0: filmmakers, Especially right? Because you guys are not pulling out of a hundred million dollar pot of exactly. gold, yeah. so, you know, like Netflix or Amazon is doing. You're you gotta go. You have an idea and you're like, great, this is an idea. Okay, now it's going to take three years to get the funding. And then I have, you know, or two years to get funding and then I got
1: another year of filming or however that goes. Yep. It's way harder for independent filmmakers. Yeah, yep. Honest, uh, absolutely. And that's actually one of the things that we are hoping to, uh, we're, that's one of the reasons we're hoping to build a studio and not just create a single film. We, want, right. we if it takes you three years to do a film... Uh, yeah how many films can one talented writer director do in their entire career right it really reduces it and so um so we hope to build a system Mm -hmm. where we can green light films a lot quicker right uh, do films across different budget categories Mm -hmm. so some Mm -hmm. international films we can do for less than a hundred thousand Some you know some Mm -hmm. films in the u.s you know several million yeah but hopefully by doing that we can be making more mil, more films faster mm-hmm. which increases your not only your impact but if you're doing it wisely and you're doing it with you know reflection and you're yeah. not you're not rushing but you're also not wasting time mm-hmm. you can also get better quicker right yeah because it's totally. through repetition that you get better mm-hmm. right
0: i yeah so you guys kind of spent a couple of years. You said meeting, meeting, talking about the project, praying, meeting with investors, trying to get that money. So, you, so you got the money, and then what was that next step? You went straight into f- filming or production.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing some of the things the way we did them. Yeah. But but we had raised enough. I think we raised like fifty thousand. So we're like, okay, we can film this segment. Oh, and nice. And so we filmed okay. this, some of the segments, and then we had raised i don't remember even the exact amounts maybe another fifty thousand. so there was a Mm. mexico segment so we sent a crew down to mexico and they filmed the segments down there okay and we chipped away at about half of the movie that way uh and then when we got to principal photography Mm -hmm. um we did that all over about a 15 day period okay um and we spent you know we raised enough money to do that that segment so for people who don't know you're you're
0: you shoot this fifty thousand dollar segment and then another fifty thousand dollar segment that's not wasted in the sense that i'm sure some people are thinking well if you don't get the whole million dollars who cares if you shoot a hundred thousand dollars worth of the movie well yes that's true but you you have now a hundred thousand dollars worth of film that you can use to then to then get investors to invest the rest of the money. So now,
1: now you're, it's like a snowball effect in a way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You can use Mm -hmm. what you've done to help sell the next step. That doesn't always work. Right. And I'm sure there are many, many, many orphan projects out there that they've got several hundred thousand dollars of the film in the can, Mm -hmm. and it's never going to get,
0: I mean, we got, I have one, the documentary that we were going to make that has Mm -hmm. maybe several thousand dollars Mm -hmm. and we don't, we haven't we're not doing anything right. with it for now.
1: So right. Right. and those are those jump off points. You just have to decide are we are yeah. we gonna go for it right. and right. risk or not? Right. right. Um and sometimes you just have to go for it yeah. or not. You totally. Know, so.
0: Yeah. Wow. So so you went so then you got into production, you ended up making getting the million dollars and then um so what is, so people might not know what you do after you actually finish a film. Where do you, how do you distribute that? Because you're, you're not Netflix, you're not Amazon. Right. You don't just have an easy, well, just upload it. And you know, a million people will watch it tomorrow. Right. What, what right. do you do?
1: Well, we hired, um, uh, Oceans 11, uh, a distribution company okay. and, um, yeah we've, we've done several iterations uh we did an, a a very initial just very very small theater release mm-hmm. just frankly for cast and crew and local yeah. folks who wanted to go see it um then we did a limited uh we did an international online release on a on an exclusive oh, really? platform um and then it went to prime so it's on prime now oh it's on amazon yeah. prime yeah so, i didn't even know that I, yeah I, wow. so it's um okay. yeah so uh, but that's a whole nother deal. Yeah. The whole right. post-production and distribution yeah. is it's is totally its own animal. The marketing budgets, as you know, on a lot of films are as big as the <laughs> as actual the budget. Actual film, yeah. um, for us, it wasn't that way. Right. So you just have right. to, you know. You yeah. got to work with what you got. Yeah. So what's that like? You sit down in the movie-
0: after you're done with it, you, you probably, you know, everybody comes and watches the movie. What's that like to see on the big screen that you finally put something together. That's on, that's a movie. You've put, you made a movie no matter how good or how bad it is, your name's up there. Was it satisfying? Was it fulfilling? Were you like, Oh, we can, we can, we can be better. What was it? Yeah. Everything?
1: Yeah. I, I think it's all the above, right? Yeah. Like we, um, and if you listen to people who've, whenever you make something and you watch it, I mean, there are some people who don't even like, want to see it after they're done (laughs) done with it um but uh for me the biggest emotion I had was relief yeah I was like okay it it worked it it worked there is a movie yeah yeah, there's a movie and it holds together and there are some moments um Mm -hmm. uh you know I learned some things I'd I want to do different next time yeah but but just the fact that it worked it wasn't like you know when you're filming it again you're, right. you're looking at bits and pieces and you just hope mm-hmm. it all holds together right um as long as you stick enough to the script you're thinking well the story should at least make sense yeah right um they did discover i don't know if i'm i don't you know yeah they discovered discover a plot hole at one point mm-hmm. at the end that um everyone had missed including um a well uh, a really good script doctor really um a, missed a plot hole that they discovered in the edit that uh, Jared Nera, our editor, um, he didn't necessarily solve the plot he hole. Patched it, right? yeah, he patched it. Yeah, he did yeah. some kind of sleight of hand yeah. that you basically don't, he slides it by you. Right.
0: Now people you who know, listen to this podcast might go watch it looking for that and be like, no, yeah. they didn't, he didn't fool me. He didn't <laughs> fool me. No. Right. Yeah. So, so you guys finished that movie and- and obviously, that's the first movie you've done, and you yep. want to do more movies. And so, I don't know if we mentioned the name. What's the name of the uh, movie? It's called
1: "Let Me Have My Son." Let me have yeah, my son Yeah, okay. It's more of an art house style film about mm-hmm. a father searching for a son. Yeah, with schizophrenia. So yeah. It's, um Yeah. So it's on
0: Amazon. So people mm-hmm. want to watch it. You can go watch it. Mm-hmm. The the um, so when you and I had first talked, I know you had mentioned. Because I was discussing with you Optive and what I wanted Optive to be, to turn into. And you were talking about the, obviously making movies. And at that point, I was like, yeah, making movies is interesting. Um, and, and you weren't talking about making movies in America. You were talking about making international films. And kind of, you had this ambitious goal to spread the gospel to less developed countries using film and media. Um, You know, discipleship, discipling these people into Christianity and then and then teaching them how to use the film medium to actually spread the gospel on a much larger, to a much larger audience. Um, And that and and so you went to Kenya this last year to, I guess, kind of start that project in a way in in Kenya. What one. Why, why did you feel called to that? Like, what, what was it about that goal and that mission? Cause I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, starting film industries in third world countries seems like something that I would never have thought of. It seems very difficult. Like, it just seems like a very difficult thing to do. Um, What, yeah. What made you, what, what, what made you grasp onto that vision? And then also how was that, how was the trip into Kenya and what are you doing there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, identify with like when paul said he wanted to go places that things hadn't mm. been done yet yeah right? right um and kenya is not i mean there's a lot of infrastructure in kenya kenya's not like it's right you know it's um well developed they've in, got in many movies areas. Yeah. and they've got yeah. yeah yeah um amazing country right um tons of talented people but um so the uh, I've always went, they call it kind of a blue ocean approach to starting things. So you try and find a place where mm-hmm. there's not heavy competition or where there's mm-hmm. um, an undiscovered un, uh, opportunity, right? right? It's like the right. parable where it says, you know, you the guy goes out in the field and finds a pearl. Yeah. And he hides it. And then he goes, uh, uh, you know, buys a field and goes to, you know, right. goes back and uh, gets the pearl of great price, whatever. Yeah. That's, for me, that, that's obviously it's a picture of the kingdom of God, but it's also a great approach for entrepreneurship. It's this process of discovery. So with our coffee house, we're like, wow, we'll be the only coffee house in a a frat house on campus, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, that works. Even the Marine market for me, I looked at the whole advertising market and we thought, well, um, the photography in the Marine market is not as good as it is in the car market. Let's, let's go into the Marine market and let's dominate the Marine market. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to do that. We're, we're,
0: Yeah, Uh,
1: we're uh tops in our category, in our little niche. Mm -hmm. So we thought Mm -hmm. with international film, number one, it's about the impact. Right. right. If a film in America, you can spend tens of millions of dollars and it 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 is a cultural blip. It could
0: flop. No, I mean mean, totally
1: flop. Or or even if it's great, right. It's a big deal for a week. Right. Think about Oppenheimer and
0: Barbie. I mean, that that was this year's big thing. And even now, a couple months later, it's like I think about it every now and then, but right. That's right. A, what's the was next b- movie? You know, and that that's, was the biggest
1: thing of this year. Right, that was huge. Yeah. So you do this. You do something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you do something of much, much lower budget in mm-hmm. a an emerging market, and it's a huge cultural event. It yeah. has impact for a lot longer because there's mm-hmm. just not as enough as much quality content. Right. So, so our goal is to, um, to basically cre- uh, create best uh, best of market. Mm. Content in yeah. emerging markets, yeah. and to, and to work with the local talent to do that. So yeah. not just we don't want to go in and just do things for people. Oh, we right. we recognize there is a ton of undeveloped, uh, mm-hmm. undiscovered talent. I mean, frankly, some of the folks we're working with Kenya in social media, they're amazing. Yeah, you know, they just right. uh, one of the people on their team. You know, has got a million a million two yeah. Instagram followers. Right. Um, they just produced a series of TikTok videos where they had like 6 million views. Yeah. So they're, they're like... They're making stuff and they're, they're reaching a lot of people. They're reaching a ton of people. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of responsiveness in those areas. Um, that was part of the vision behind it. Why do it? on the? Right. Um, and then on the, uh, the real pragmatic thing was we are, uh, we're new to this too, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a market where we're able to go in and uh, immediately create content that's at least on par with market and then grow in such a way that we can be hopefully best in market, you know, um, and, and again, raise up locals that are best in market. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and it it basically gives us an opportunity to practice at lower budget amounts. um, A lower
0: budget, but high impact,
1: high impact, impact, which, and, and so
0: you have more, more eyes seeing it more, even in some ways more scrutiny. So you can, Mm -hmm. you can, get better faster exactly and and that so that's interesting because we haven't talked about this but the american market american movie market is insanely competitive and we talked about it a little bit like Mm -hmm. you make a movie and then people remember it for a couple weeks and you know you you can make these culturally impactful movies where you, you know star wars back to the future whatever you know um where people, you can say the name and everybody knows what it's about, but, like, mm-hmm. that's one in a, a million, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that every single time. And and so to infiltrate the American movie market, it's like you've got to have, like, a billion dollars mm-hmm. and some really, really, really good ideas. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a, a very specific way of doing things and, you know, some huge actors and actresses. This is a whole thing. Whereas you go over to Kenya or you go over to – I mean, anywhere overseas and or even – down South or anything like that, you can, down South being like South America, not mm-hmm. like Texas, but mm-hmm. um, you can, you can create that industry and that, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so for, for instance, what, what is your, the project that you're working on right now in Kenya? Are you allowed to talk? You can talk mm-hmm. about that yeah. specific project. Cause we've, uh, I've helped a little bit here and there with it. And I'm interested in seeing where that goes. So mm-hmm. you went to Kenya. What exactly were you doing in Kenya? What is that project?
1: So we um, went over to Kenya to film for a couple organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, our passports were slow in coming, and mm-hmm. so our schedule changed. And uh, through that hiccup, we ended up being able to go to a place called Heroes of the Nation. Hmm. Heroes of the Nation—they um, have an orphanage and several schools. Wow. Um, but their goal is not just to like take care of the kids, but to raise up the next generation of leaders for Africa. Yeah. Um, wow. And they are they're an amazing organization. Are they Christian? Yes. They are, yeah. Okay. Very much so. Okay. Very much so. Um, and they just the way they run everything, uh, just stellar. Mm-hmm. All the people on there, they have a media team. The people on their media team, most of them are kids who grew up there. Mm-hmm. You know, so these kids have amazing stories. Yeah. Um, and and now they're creating like media that's impacting their country. Yeah. Right. So we got there, um, and they had. Uh, we thought we were just going to go there and do a little training, you know, talk to them about, you know, our techniques and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and uh, they had written a script and they were like, hey, we we want to film this. You're going to be here for four days. We want to film this. And oh, wow. Matt and I, like, we escaped the other room and we were like, Conferring, we're like, we can't do this. This is yeah. impossible. But we can't say no. You know, did you, bring,
0: we, you brought your equipment and everything yeah, too, we all right? Because you're
1: doing a training yeah, on it. We, yeah, we were and we were filming for some other organizations in another right. part of the country.
0: And you can't say I mean,
1: you're right. You can't say no. So we we stayed up with midnight till midnight. We kind of did some rewrites in the script to make it shootable. Yeah. Um, right. And then we just dove in. And um Jackie, who is the producer, had done such an amazing job of preparing. Mm. Um I told her before we left that she was probably the best producer I'd ever worked with. <laughs> wow. Um yeah. she had uh pre-rehearsed all of the scenes really? with, with youth from the you know where she had her primary actor Yeah. and then she used kids from the orphanage as her secondary actors really? and set you know so yeah. she staged it all and did the kids they yeah. loved that I mean yeah. were they had fun time with yeah, that that's a great. great. Time. Yeah. It was it was wow. um we shot a film about uh child brides which oh, is an issue about you know like 11 Year old kids who get yeah unwillingly married or yep um in in
0: in africa i mean this yeah, is happening in this in different tribes, and, and yeah right. and
1: there was the people in the local huh. community who were saying we want help changing this um would you tell the story and so we told the story of, of a gal mm-hmm. who, had, who had gone through this wow um shot both both in the schools shot in the maniato which is like a um, it's like a mud hut kind of village okay. thing um and the people were very gracious and they were good actors, and um, yeah, it was um, the outfit that we used for our actor actress in the uh, in the scene um, had actually been used the week before for a child marriage. Oh wow! And so, yeah. so it was an interesting mix of yeah, people right. in the in the community who wanted to change it, people from the church in the community, and then right. some people in the community who were still actively doing, doing it, doing it, you yeah. Know, and so.
0: so, so, did you guys, so. When you read this, so how long was the script? Like, how long was this episode or this short film episode yeah. of a longer thing? Or what was this? We
1: both did an edit. We had them do an edit and we did an edit. Their edit was about 13 minutes. We're trying to get ours down to about eight. Okay. Um, okay. But um, yeah, and so we're, um, we're just adding music now. Mm-hmm. Um, but after having on our way home from that, I was like, man, these guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to be back here, you know, within the year. Yep. Yep. Um, at that point, I was like, "By the end of the year, right. um, uh, to film either a feature film with them or a TV series." Yeah. So we started talking. We've been meeting every week since then on yep. Zoom, um, and uh, we plan to be back sometime after the first of the year to film the first uh, one to three episodes for a TV series that they've mm-hmm. concepted. We're working with Kenyan writers to to do the writing. We're right. you know we're kind of sharing the writing responsibilities. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of their writers have stage experience, yeah. but not film experience. And so mm-hmm. they're heavy on dialogue, but not on action. So we're trying to combine our visual storytelling yeah. with their their mm-hmm. uh, their dialogue. The, I mean, that um, seems uh, to be in some ways a
0: positive, though, because yeah. uh, I listened to Christopher Nolan talk about his first movie that he made. Um, can't remember the name of it. But him and some buddies every week, and they worked regular jobs every weekend, they would film a couple scenes from a movie. And it took them a whole year to finish this film. And... He specifically used stage actors for this because his whole thing was like, we're going to get one shot at this scene. You know, <laughs> we've got 20 minutes here. We asked the owner if we could use their, uh, you know, their bar or something. And we, and we got 20 minutes here or we have 30 minutes here to shoot this. And we need people who can kind of do improv and they're used to not stopping. They just mm-hmm. continue with the scene, even if they don't nail it. And so that's how he did that. And in some ways, that might even, pay yeah. off to, to have some absolutely. some actors, yeah. uh, some stage yeah. actors. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and there's also kind of a style thing, like uh, from the little bit i of learning about Kenyan TV, it is dialogue heavy. And yeah. so it'll, you know. But sitcom, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Sitcom. And so, um, yeah. And we had some other great, amazing people who joined us. And uh, there's a guy named Isa who came from South Sudan, who we've wow. been doing some online training with. Uh, Isa was a former child soldier who mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. was using has been using radio to promote the gospel and to mm-hmm. promote peace in South Sudan uh, yeah. with the youth there, um, and now he's moving into film, uh, putting things wow. on um, YouTube and such. And so, uh, we are also working with him. He's creating content now. He's training others nice. in South Sudan and working with a local South Sudanese girl here in mm-hmm. Minneapolis who who came here from there to hopefully hopefully co-produce some. Content that yeah, will be right. half produced here in Minneapolis by South Sudanese and half produced in right. country. So, so what's this series
0: going to be about? This Kenyan series, the, the the Kenyan series. So, I've helped work on this, but yeah, yeah, you
1: you explain what this is going to be about. Yeah, so the Kenyan series, uh, Kingdom Nation, is a division of uh, Heroes of the Nation. Okay. They go into high schools and share the gospel, and they okay. they teach kids about. Um, Oh, what God can use their life for, you know, they kind of, you mm, know, mm-hmm. try and help them set their sights higher. And right. then they talk right. about, and here are the things that could undermine your dreams, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So some of these habits, if you mm-hmm. don't get them under control, yeah, they will uh, thwart what you want to do with your life. Right? Um, they're seeing amazing responses. You know, they were mm-hmm. um, just kids who are just passionate uh, for God and mm-hmm. um, open. Um, and so there, there's this huge youth movement in Africa. And mm-hmm. honestly, they're, they are going to be a world force. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're getting more and more lethargic, they are <laughs> rising up. Yeah, and I right. think they are. My, our hope is that they will be able to turn around and have impact on us nice. in the next few years. Nice. But so the film, uh, this was Sam's idea. Sam West, go ahead. Real quick, people don't think that can happen, but
0: oh, yeah, Bollywood, like... Nobody cared about Bollywood. No, and Bollywood people are watching Bollywood films in America all the time now. So oh, it's yeah. not like we're not invincible. I think people think that in the American film market is invincible. No. Nobody will ever overtake us. It's like if we make good films, we're invincible. If we don't, we're not. And yeah. there's an argument that we're not making good films right now, right. and that other people are. And so it can happen. Yeah, right.
1: for sure. Yeah, my wife and I went on about a three year Bollywood bag. So <laughs> wow. we're, well, yeah. It's it's yeah. I'm
0: I'm too. I need to to widen my horizons because it, it is difficult for me, but I know I had friends, I had a roommate back when I first graduated high school and he watched a lot of Bollywood. And yeah. I was always like, okay, this is, I don't I, I don't know why he's watching this, but it, he loves it. And a lot of people seem to really like this. So yeah, yeah it's interesting stuff. Yeah,
1: billions yeah. of people.
0: Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I'm the weird one. I, I get that. I, I got to get into the, the Bollywood stuff because it's just a different style. It totally. feels weird. And, and that's because it is different than what we've done in America. But yeah. it doesn't mean it's bad, you know. No, you, you love for your entertainment
1: dollar. Yeah. Right? There's dance numbers. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's, and it's the hilarious. fight
0: scenes in like slow motion and yes. stuff like that. In the, in the film, it's like kind of like the camera like shifts really quickly. There's mm-hmm. like weird like whoosh, whoosh, oh the yeah, stuff like totally, that.
1: They told, don't play by the same rules. Right. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa yeah, here yeah. we go. Yeah. Well, once so, you get into
1: it, it's a style. Yeah. Yeah
0: okay so so you so so this so they're gonna so as I was reading through the you kind of sent me this document about this Kenyan series mm-hmm. as I was reading through it, I realized and the thing that I really liked was that these episodes and and we're gonna talk about this in a little bit more the reasons why I think Christians have kind of been the laughing stock of film for the last 20 plus years my whole life um is. I think because we try to paint Christianity in a way that actually isn't true. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good guys always win in the end. Everybody becomes prosperous. Everybody, uh, you know, the the good team wins, and it's like, well, read the Bible. You Mm -hmm. know, the twelve apostles. The most of them were brutally murdered. A lot of Christians have been killed. They don't. It doesn't look like the Christians win. You know, the first three hundred years of Christianity, people were being. Uh, thrown into the Colosseum and eaten up by lions and murdered Mm. and killed. And like the Roman empire wasn't kind to us. And so the, the idea that Christianity is built off of just all of these tremendous wins and, and not, and when I say wins, there's spiritual wins and there's worldly wins, right? Like, and I Mm -hmm. think that, pretending that Christianity has proceeded through 2000 years on the, on the backs of worldly winds is ridiculous. We've, the world thinks that we've lost, but the, the paradox of Christianity is that when we lose in the world's eyes, we actually win. Like the gospel continues when you kill us, when you, when you try to oppress us, we, you can't stop the gospel. And so the, the thing that I loved about these, these episodes, and I, you have this document with these concepts in them for each episode and they seemed very real it was Mm -hmm. like here's the here's the girl who who like has been abused in Mm -hmm. certain ways and needs you know like this that's a serious story like Mm -hmm. in you know uh here's here's a guy who's addicted to porn or like stuff that's actually real like what actual people are actually dealing with and um You know, it's like at the end of the day, I think that these stories are trying to portray spiritual wins. And in certain ways that spiritual wins do coincide with worldly wins and sometimes in the sense that like if you don't do drugs and you don't drink and you don't prostitute yourself out to people, you can get a job and you can Mm -hmm. have a home and like you can put together a life for your family that does that is a lot better than if you were engaging in those things. And so that those are the, those are the stories that you're trying to tell in this that I thought was like, okay, this is the direction that Christians need to go. And we need Mm -hmm. to stop pretending like everything's amazing and great as a Christian, because the reality is we all start in a terrible position and we have to be brought to the gospel and then transformed and changed and you have to show the bad place, mm-hmm. or people aren't going to understand the nature of, of man, and then they're not going to understand the gospel. That's a, the gospel is predicated on that. So, what what are these? You know, what are you trying to tell through all these stories um, across? I think there's seven or eight, maybe ten episodes. I don't know. What yeah. what's the
1: overarching story? Well, it's interesting. There's a, there are a lot of dynamics in play, right? Like so, mm-hmm. Kenya is. A much more overtly Christian nation Mm. than we are right now. Sure. So, uh, God has a bigger role in in their media than He does here. So it's Mm. not weird there for God to be a piece of the story. Right. right? Right. Same same thing with Bollywood. Frankly, I mean there there Mm. is there is a lot of God in the Bollywood stories. Now a lot Mm. of times they're worshiping the wrong God. Yeah, Yeah, like (laughs) the elephant God or something. Yeah. So so it's a little. (laughs) Uh, but uncomfortable there's a necessity. spirituality,
0: whereas in America they've we've we've yeah. essentially gotten rid of all spirituality. exactly. It's
1: a much yeah. more religiously oriented culture, sure. And sure. so, um, so on one hand, that's not out of bounds mm-hmm. uh, for them. And so, um, but yeah, we hope basically each episode. The, the idea is that we'll have a our ensemble cast, which is the mm-hmm. Kingdom Nations team, which goes from school to school. Yeah, um, and then we'll have the people that come into the cameo stories that occupy each episode. Cameo stories will be drawn directly from, you know, obviously changed names and circumstances, but the stories that they come across in the school. So all Mm -hmm. the stories in that document you saw, uh, I think with the exception of the national song contest, which I came up with and the running story, which you came up with on your, your, uh, they're all drawn from things they've, you know where yeah. kids kids have been you know abused or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's all real mm-hmm. life stuff yeah and so right, we will tell those right, stories right. and then through the interaction with and then the kingdom through the action with the interaction with the kingdom nation team will show how um how the students were affected mm-hmm. um but also how the Kingdom Nation team was affected. So they yeah, want they right. want to portray their team, and that's going to probably be the harder part: is showing how their relationships right. change over time, and how yeah. how maybe a story about a somebody whose uh, you know father raped the. Yeah. Daughter and then abandon the family. Which how, is real. I mean, for people, yeah.
0: like, these are real stories. That, yeah. that stuff is actually happening. Yep. And that's, we can't, I think Christians will get uncomfortable with that. I don't want to right. talk about yeah, it. It's everywhere. like, well, yeah, everybody gets uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Right. But, and,
1: and everywhere, right? Not, right. Not like, it's not a Kenyan problem. No, totally, That's, a, that's a, like totally. a human,
0: and that's the things that Christians should be saying. That is a horrible thing, but we can't just not talk about. It. Like right. th- this is an opportunity for the gospel. It's not something that we just we just run away from as right. Christians. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So so that is you know the the Kenyan projects are inter- are, are interesting, and I'm I'm excited to see. Because I think the goal from when you and I are talking is like once these things are created, which could take a year or two or whatever, however long mm-hmm. it takes, the goal isn't to like be like the movie that you made in America, where it's this tiny. I'm not. That might sound sounded demeaning, but it's a smaller movie mm-hmm. in a larger market. Right. The goal in Kenya is, this is going to compete, right? You right. want it to compete at the at the top level. 100%. So yeah, yeah, no, we,
1: yeah. We want it to be a cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Know, I want to say cultural phenomena, but we want it to definitely have a mark in the culture. Totally. Which again, because of the people involved, because mm-hmm. they already have a significant media presence, mm-hmm. I think we'll have that going for us in terms yeah, of you right. know how do we make an impact?
0: Right. You have some of that marketing. Yeah, some of those uh, marketing things are in place in. already. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, and it's and it is it is easier in smaller countries to, you know, hey, if you wanted to talk to the president of America, it's. Harder than if you want to talk to the president yeah. of a smaller country, right? Um, because it's just fewer people and yeah. better chance of knowing somebody's cousin.
0: Totally. And you so, you, but you you also are working on a project here that at the time of recording this, you haven't solidified your place in that project. But once we release it, this podcast you'll have solid if you guys will be the yeah. producers of this of the show tell us about this show what is yeah, it? yeah
1: so we are we have been produced uh pursuing for a couple of years uh option agreements on a uh a children's book series written in the 80s mm-hmm. that we want to turn into a three season animated series mm-hmm. we're we are hopefully a couple of weeks away from signing the option agreement so i probably probably shouldn't say the title yet mm-hmm. um but maybe you can put it in the extras or yeah. in the uh, the details right. so um yeah, we we want it'll be a three seasons 12 episodes per season um released in the US and internationally we uh, mm-hmm. we chose to go animation on this one because uh, it would be more easily translatable so yeah. we can use it yeah. in countries um, uh, where um it's like an anal- analogy um, fairy tale series mm-hmm. um, that uh, about the gospel about the mm-hmm. kingdom uh the kingdom of God that um you know animation is easier to dub you know and yeah. to, and to put into different languages it's for kids too right yeah. so that's yeah. you know in all ages you know there's some yeah, right. my wife was asking last night because it starts off with the funeral of the mother oh, and wow. so it opens yeah. on a very dark scene yeah. kind of like something out of arcane or something Yeah. and so um hmm. uh, so it's like a classic fairy tale in that there's yeah. darkness and light you know Which is
0: good I think a lot like a lot of parents Christian parents are trying to shelter their kids from the dark, the dark side of, of, of the world in a right. lot of ways in America, especially it's like, yeah, you're going to have to deal with death at some point and you're going to have to deal with this stuff. And so to do this, to kind of show children that through film animation stuff like that, that, I mean, I, I think of, or books, I think of Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia. I think mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings The stuff that we were, listening to and watching as kids that those, I mean, I think of my theology in some ways through the lens of Narnia in, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, I think about how good and evil works and, you know, Aslan and God and Christ. And, and so it's to this day, and I'm, you know, 24 and I'll probably be thinking that, that, that until I die because mm-hmm. it was so pivotal in my understanding of Christianity that these stories without death, without sin, without pain, they aren't actually legitimate stories. They're fantasies. And, and in some ways, these these stories that you said, they're, fantasy, they're, they're fantasies. But they're more real to the gospel than some of the right. things that are out there that our Christians are trying to make yeah. that don't have the darker side of stuff. Yeah. So no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the um so I kind of wanted to I guess real quick discuss why. So I, I kind of have a theory, and I think you might agree with me that. As far as the American market goes for film, we've talked about how a lot of the movies they're pushing uh, you know certain ideologies. Um, you know've I've written down right here. I just said it seems to me that right now Christians have the perfect opportunity to create something really touching and some touching and humanizing stories, especially with Hollywood becoming so postmodern and marxist in their approach to storytelling, character development and film purpose. I often feel like new movies are completely dehumanizing uh you know examples the star wars sequels uh knives out Two, joker marriage stories some films that have come over out over the last five or six years that i've watched and it's like you watch it and it connects with people in a way because so many young people have been brought up on a postmodern marxist philosophy and so it mm-hmm. connects with them because they think that it makes sense in their mind but it doesn't connect with them in a in a human way, in the way that, Mm. you know, the old Star Wars films really connected. I'm I'm on a Star Wars binge right now. I'm watching through (laughs) Star Wars again. um, Luke Skywalker and the redemptive character of Han Han Solo becoming, going from a kind of a trashy guy to a hero. You know, those are the Mm -hmm. stories that people connect with because it shows you know, you actually don't have to stay a terrible person. You can mm-hmm. do something. You can make something of your life. If, you know, you trust other people, if you work hard, all those great things. Well, nowadays it feels like, you know, in the new Star movie, Ray just has the Force and is really good with the lightsaber and really good with the Force without any sort of training. or Like, there's all this random stuff that just seems weird. Han Solo gets killed off. He becomes kind of a scumbag again. He divorces his wife. You're like... What in the world? And so it seems to me like right now we're in this opportunity. We have this opportunity as Christians in America to make films that could really touch people and really change their life because we have the best understanding of human nature and of reality. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think about that? And and are you trying to kind of infiltrate that even though the market is oversaturated? Maybe it's oversaturated with bad films. Maybe right. if you make Absolutely. a good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think... We're trying to pull together. We are pulling together a group. Originally, we called it the Brain Trust. Um, Now we're just calling it a writer's group. The goal is to bring together um, writers, uh, theologians, missiologists, you know, biblical scholars who can develop a higher level of Mm -hmm. quality content. Yeah. Right. Like get get at what what are the mythologies in a particular culture, whether it's it's here in the U.S. or Mm -hmm. or overseas. Right. Right. what are, those, what are the kind of those stories that we believe as a people, correct? Right? Because good character development, Yeah, your character has a wound. Um, mm-hmm. Now, This is very you know, for, formulaic in a sense, but you're basically your, your character has a wound mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they believe a certain set of lies that they ch- use to try and overcome yeah. that wound. Right. And a lot of times the, the theme of the movie um, is them discovering that those earlier attempts don't work. And so they've got to tr- learn something new. And that's, and, yeah. you know, that's true kind of, um, I'm going to say this, I hope this makes sense. You can edit it if it doesn't, but, uh, yeah. but the, um, we don't edit- whole cultures <laughs> also believe lies. Right? Yeah, and yeah, so right. one of our goals is to bring together this group of people mm-hmm. to really try to, uh, discover mm-hmm. and build stories that are, have greater depth, yeah, right. um, greater insight into, mm-hmm. What, what people really deal with. They don't take, like you say, the easy way out in terms no. of the easy answer. Um, they correctly identify true hope, right? So so we're not like, we can write things that aren't totally like anti-hero, um, mm-hmm. but they're not Pollyanna either. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're you can, um, yeah. you have a story that has meat and grit and yet mm-hmm. still offers hope. right um, So that's, that's the goal. So that's our attempt at that. Again, we don't, We don't think we have a magic thing to, okay, we can do it and nobody else can. But we are hoping that by bringing people Mm -hmm. together that think deeply about these things, we can discover those stories. And we can take the stories that we already have and and beat them up a bit and Mm -hmm. work them over until they really have something to say.
0: Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. George Lucas was going to become an anthropology professor. Mm -hmm. And so he was studying mythologies of, of early, early humans and finding a lot of similarities and you know even different religions and a lot of similarities and and things that seem to him to be just natural to the human life Mm -hmm. and that um you know his story the star wars is about redemption in a lot of ways it's 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 he says it's about father-son relationships and generational problems and coming Mm -hmm. together and family issues and things like that and it's like you could you could release that story today or you could release that story 5000 years ago or you could re- release that story in 5000 years and that's going to continue to to make an impact on a culture Absolutely. because those are the stories that everybody's dealing with you know yep. we you you add the lightsabers and the force and you add all of the the republic and the you know the empire and that's all great and and those make the stories really fun to watch but at the heart of the story is something that a lot of people are going through and
1: when 100%. you erase
0: that thing the thing that makes the story human, that makes it connect with people, when you get rid of that, you, you're watching just a bunch of special effects, or you're, you're just watching a bunch of stuff happening that isn't, that doesn't have any underlying deep connection. And I think that we've gotten used to that in America, and right. that our movies don't, don't actually touch the soul of what it means to be a person. And right. that's uh, agreed. And that seems to me like okay, that sucks, but also we have an opportunity now, and in some ways, I think a responsibility as Christians right. to to dive into that market and make something that could connect
1: with people. Yeah, no, we we should have a handle on a life that is um, both truly insightful, mm-hmm. uh, humble. Mm-hmm. You know, recognizing that you need God, yeah, right. and coming to an end of yourself and discovering. You know, new life and the self-sacrifice of our Creator. Yeah, right. There's some good content for story in that, and that's the story we want to be telling, right? And it
0: doesn't mean to swing the pendulum to say everything is good. Christianity is great. Our hero is the, the ultimate hero. And all the the great thing about the Bible and that everybody, every character except for Jesus is that, and even Jesus being tempted, you can connect with him on that. Is that David was. A great king he was also a terrible person mm-hmm. and like you know Moses led the people out of Egypt he was also a murderer you know and so to I think Christians and conservatives mm-hmm. have swung the pendulum our hero has to be perfect it's like right. you can't connect to some I mean you can we can connect with Jesus and he is perfect and there's that dynamic but a lot of people can't connect with the person who never makes any mistakes Absolutely. And, and that and that's you know you have to draw there, there's a line of you know People do their best to do the right thing, but our nature has fallen, and you can't get rid of the fallen nature either. Mm-hmm. And so to show that is right. pivotal in creating right. a good story and a good
1: character. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know the historical drama that we we're pursuing, the non-named historical drama. Yeah, we were, yeah um, right, right. And the whole This setup is my favorite
0: project. Yeah, that, and, and the whole
1: setup of it is just basically uh, a family line that continually seeks to start over in every… Yeah attempt at starting over ends in failure yeah right um, which is basically like Adam and Eve right they, yeah like they um you know Cain and Abel yeah. you know you know first, first kids kids kill each other right, right? Yeah. Uh, every story ends in failure with a look toward the oh, the second yeah. Adam Jesus who right. will not fail right right, right. yeah know. and that that story
0: when someday when we have the funding or whatever and start to make it and we can do a podcast. Cause I, I'm excited about that one. Okay. I had a fun idea to, you know, make our top five movies of all time timeless and you and I can go back and forth. We'll start with number five um, and work our way up to number one. Did you, did you put them in order or did you just put down five movies that you like?
1: Yeah. They're really spread out here. Like I've got like <laughs> about 20 of them here in different genres Oh wow! Uh, I didn't put my top five, but I'll do that. I'll do that. You want to? You want to go first? Is your? Do your, you want me to to go. to go
0: five to one, and then you can kind of put yours together? Sure. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of discuss each of them and and what we liked about about them. Okay. Uh. Okay. Well, should I start with honorable munch No, I'll do that later. Okay. Uh, My number five, which I think you've seen this list, right? I'm looking at it. Oh, you're looking at it. My number five is The Passion by Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson directed this film. Um, Obviously, this might be like a cliche Christian answer. I don't know. I mean, it's Catholic, so maybe some Protestants don't like it. I absolutely love this movie. This is one of the first times my dad loves this movie. We watched this as a family came out in like 2005. I remember it was the top grossing movie of all time or one of the top Mm -hmm. at the time when it came out. Um, There's a lot of controversy around it. But I think the thing that I love about this movie is it's everything that I would ever want in a Christian movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't compromise historical accuracy. It it doesn't compromise. um, It doesn't make... Everything pretty and beautiful. I mean, it's brutal. It is very, very hard to watch. But I think out of every story that I've read and everything that I've watched, this has made the gospel the most real to me. Like I I read the gospels, and that's very, very real. But when when you watch Jesus just get slaughtered, basically, and then have to go to the cross, and it's just a brutal, brutal movie, and yet. Obviously, you know, Gibson and Mel Gibson ends it with a lot of hope where you, you know, the last scene of it, Christ, you can see the the nail hole through his hand and he's risen from the dead. And you know, there's been rumors for like 20 years that they're gonna make the sequel, but who knows if they're gonna do that. But that that movie I think has been so impactful in the way that I think about how I, you know, part of my testimony was that I had a vision in some ways of the way that I treated Christ. And and the things that I picture are what the Roman guards were doing to Jesus, how they're beating Jesus. I picture that movie and I'm like, oh my goodness, that we want to say, oh, I would have, I, I at least would have been neutral in this situation. Like, no, I would, you and I would have been the, the guards. We would have mm-hmm. been beating Jesus. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been bystanders. We would have been participating in it. So that that movie made the gospel very real to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I this is yeah. it's a lot to take in so that's my number five okay this one i think a lot of younger people won't know it's alfred hitchcock's rope uh have you seen this movie i probably have but yeah I, yeah so it came out probably when you were in your 40s no, that's, a, that's an age joke that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, thanks uh, a lot yeah. uh, no it came out a long time ago um <laughs> rope by alfred hitchcock it's got james stewart and he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, yeah. He's in It's a oh, Wonderful yeah. Life. Um, yeah, yeah. Anytime that James Stewart and Albert Hitchcock do a movie together, I've watched those. I love, I love those two working together. And mm-hmm. Rope is my favorite one. Hitchcock is kind of making a. a this movie is about a murder. Uh, these two two guys commit a murder and they they hide the body in kind of a uh, a. Buff, uh, what do they call? There's a buffet. Uh, you know, like a buffet where you put food on in, in your home, like a little mm-hmm. buffet, and there's, there's a dead body in there, and they have a bunch of people over for a party. And this fu- this film, I think, was one of the first you know, continuous shots uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way that Hitchcock wanted. The setting of the film was in an apartment. The entire movie was in this apartment, and it was kind of all one shot. You're watching this all happen in real time, and so they commit this murder, they put this body in this in this um, buffet thing and they close the lid on it. They put decorations and food out over it and people are eating, well, there's a dead body in there. They're eating food and they're partying and they're talking about philosophies. And anyways, the I won't ruin it for people because they should really watch this because I think it's really prevalent to our times. It's, it's kind of a, it's a refute of certain Marxist ideologies, but James Stewart is these two guys' professor from college. And he had taught them some stuff, some, some ideologies that were very dehumanizing. And these guys were focused on creating this perfect murder. And they had kind of created all these philosophies around who, who is and isn't worthy of living. And, uh, and this professor realizes that he was actually the accomplice in this murder because he was teaching these people. When they find mm. out that the murder happened, he he was a professor. who. I, it's just brilliant. People just yeah. go watch it. It's absolutely amazing. And it's called Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Number three, people, this is going to be uh, controversial. I don't care. People who don't have this as their number one Star Wars movie uh, obviously don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, well, number three, uh, Star Wars, The Revenge of the Sith. I just watched this the other night again. Oh my goodness! This is an emotional roller coaster. People don't like the prequels, and you know, I I don't know why, but the the Revenge of the Sith to me is like the most beautiful, horrifying masterpiece I've ever seen. In that, Anakin, if you watch the prequel, it's like Anakin's this happy young boy. He's he's there's hope and life in him, and by the end of the Revenge of the Sith, you are terrified of Darth Vader. You See how Anakin has been so deceived and has become so angry and rageful and and just so, I guess, just, yeah, rage-filled that he turns against everything that he once loved. He kills his wife. He kills the younglings. He becomes this crazy psycho, and the contrast between good and evil is so clear in this movie. And yet, it doesn't end in absolute destruction. Obviously, the Republic has fallen. Order sixty-six goes through, and all the Jedi have been killed, except for a couple of them. Um, and and you know the the Jedi Council is totally blindsided. Anakin turns to the dark side. It's this terrifying thing. But Obi Wan defeats Anakin in the lightsaber battle, which is the by far the best lightsaber battle in star wars I, I, on mustafar on Mustafar, whatever it's called i love watching that mm. this is just so fast-paced uh and you really fall in love i guess i did i really fall in love with obi-wan kenobi in this movie because he's he is not as strong as anakin in the force and he's you know he's not as strong as anakin he's not even as good as anakin at lightsaber like at battling but he wins because of because he's not giving into rage and anger and he wins this battle because one he has a high ground and everybody knows that but but two he's he's able to compose himself and he is really the epitome of the light side in this and it sets up the next three movies really well i absolutely love that movie uh, it's terrifying to see how somebody can change from you know they did a really good job mm. in that and then mm-hmm. so that was great number 2 is a movie that not a lot of people know about uh, Silence by mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese. This movie, I don't know when I first watched it. I think it came out in 2016. It's got Liam Neeson, Adam Driver, and Andrew Garfield. And it's about these priests in the 16th century, maybe 15th century, who are going to Japan to spread the gospel. Well, Liam Neeson is this priest. He goes to Japan He spread, to spread the gospel. And the Japanese government was highly, highly oppressive towards missionaries, Catholic missionaries. I mean, they hated them, they brutally murdered them. And they would send messages back to the Catholics saying, yeah, your priest has apostatized, he's no longer a Christian, now he's spreading our religions and our stuff. And, and so they get this message back, uh, Andrew Garfield and, Le- and uh, Adam Driver's characters, they're these two younger priests. They get this message back that their, their father priest, Liam Neeson, has apostatized and has left the faith and he is now working with the Japanese religious leaders and doing their thing. And they're like, there's no way that this could possibly be true. This guy brought us to the faith. We he's we know him. He would never apostatize They're trying to play games with us. We want to go there and we want to, we want to find him ourselves. We know that he didn't leave the faith. And they get granted that the Catholic church says, okay, you guys can go. So they go to Japan and I mean it's like two and a half, as brutal. I mean it is this is another movie like The Passion where I'm like, oh my goodness. You you see these these Christians in Japan who are in these small villages who are Christians. They have to hide it. They're, they have to be secretive about it. They've waited their whole life to meet a priest, you know, because the Catholics think that to get your sins forgiven, you need to ask the priest and have them do communion. And so they go through these little villages in, in Japan and they meet these people and the government finds out that they're there and the government starts to like kill these people in the villages and these these younger priests are faced with this you know do we give ourselves up to save these people do we do we apostatize and anyways the the ending of it is very Christopher Nolan-esque it it leaves you with the question um you know and I'm not going to ruin it people should go watch it I have my opinions on the end and and we could do a podcast about that at some point but Holy crap. That makes you question. It doesn't make you question your faith, but it makes you, it makes you, I mean, this is how people, this is what people literally went through in the 16th century and trying to spread the gospel. I mean, they're being burned alive. There's a scene where these people are burned alive. There's a scene where these people are put on crosses in the, in the ocean while the, the tide rises. And Day after day, the tide will rise and they won't drown, but they'll kind of just the water will be going into their mouth. So it takes a week. And these Japanese people are on these crosses who are being killed, singing praise songs to God while they're being murdered for their faith. And you just watch this and it's terrifying. Um, but you're also like, do, you know, it makes you think like, do I have what it takes, you know, in a way? And I think that that's good for especially American Christians to think about because We've got it good in a lot of ways, and we don't have to deal with that. So that's my second one. Number one, I don't know if people will call me whatever, Inception by Christopher Nolan. Very, very popular movie. But to me, the funny story behind this is my wife and I watched this on our third date. Um, It was very important that we we watched this movie. And she'll tell people all she did after the movie was over is she looked at me and said, why do you like this movie? And I talked for three hours about why I like this movie and she just listened. And so that's kind of, and she, it was, she said it was interesting. I don't know. Uh, But Inception, I love Christopher Nolan. I would have put all of his movies at the top five, but I had to diversify. And so Inception to me is just a, a fantastic movie. It's, it's, it's action, it's adventure, it's mind bending. It's also at the heart of it. It's a father trying to get back to his children. He, he had been separated from his kids. It's, it's, it's this dynamic of of what's real and what's not real like it creating fantasies in your head and where that's gonna take you and dealing with the reality that's in front of you and not running away from things and incepting ideas into people's brains to you know it's just mm-hmm. absolutely I think Christopher Nolan is one of these directors that is actually has the ability to make movies that do connect with human beings and so, uh, obviously, uh, who's in this one? I, the name, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. deserved a, an award for this, but he didn't get one. Um, it's my favorite movie. Honorable mentions, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Holy crap. That's one of the best movies ever. People should watch that. I liked Oppenheimer, Interstellar. The Grand Budapest Hotel, your son, Matt, told me to watch that. I never watched it before, and I mm-hmm. thought it was really good. It's a Wonderful Life. You have to put that in there. It's an amazing movie. Chinatown has Jack Nicholson in it. Not Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Chinatown yep. is great. The Irishman, Martin Scorsese film I just watched. It's really good. Warrior. It's about two brothers who fight in the UFC. You just go watch that. Peanut Butter Falcon has one of my all-time favorite uh, actors in it, Shia LaBeouf, who is now a Christian, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, that movie is amazing. And then Clue. I don't know if people will 1985 Clue. Mm-hmm. And it's... It got like four alternate endings, uh, on who murdered, who did the murder, and who didn't. So, that was a really good good movie as well. Uh, so, anyways, that's my list. I've been talking for too long, Greg. What do you got?
1: Yeah, so my list is way less sophisticated than okay. your list. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like, yeah, I like Lauren Hardy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, so I'm just gonna, I, and that mine aren't as well organized as yours either. Yeah, um. Uh, just for the record, I did give Greg like a month to to do that. Just yeah, <laughs> just I just I thought it was I thought it was too presumptuous to too, um. To, no, I'm just kidding. No, that's yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, um, and honestly, there, there's such a ranger because okay, so there's the movies that I love that I love because my wife has taught me how to love them. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So I mean, okay. I, like I literally. You know some of the like the Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. Movies. Oh, I gotta watch. I, Pride I love Prejudice. those. Really, you know they're 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 beautifully done. Um, the character development, the sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, when did those um, come out? I, like, I uh, are they older? There, there are older. Each of those has older versions, especially. Well, Pride and Prejudice has so many versions, yeah, right? right? But then there's right. the newer versions too. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, and I just um, Gene Austin's just really yeah a great character writer and people are so snarky and it's just yeah. hilarious. Right. Yeah. And we just very endearing human characters, mm-hmm. right. With a lot of flaws and foibles. And, um, so we love those movies, um, in the kind of, so again, my movies are very, you're like deeply insightful and <laughs> spiritual minor <are> kind <laughs> of like, you know, I like the, you know, no, um, I have those too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. There's always, um, so we love some of the, like the older musicals, Singing in the Rain, Sound of Music. Whoa, yeah, Sound amazing of music. Mu- Amazing movie. You want to know um, something?
0: Yeah. I was an act, like a stage actor as a kid. Like I was in, uh what's Charles Dickens' Christmas one? Uh, Christmas Carol? Yeah, I was in the Christmas Carol at the Overture Center in Madison, which is the biggest theater in Madison as a kid. And I before that, I tried out for a play i tried out for a sound of music and there were hundreds of people who tried out for this well i made it to the final round and i ended up not getting it but um i was trying out for one of the what are they the van trap van, yeah, van, yeah van the, trap yeah, kids yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i you know they ask you your name at this tryouts and i was like my name is annie schmidt and i'm incorrigible and they loved that i it was the only yeah. person out of like everybody did that i think that's basically what got me to the final round was yeah. by saying that but yeah i, I tried out for that's one of yeah. my favorite movies that was just
1: brilliant. it's beautiful. Beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, Sing on the Rain. We just watched it again this last week. Beautifully yeah. done musical. Um, you know, and since I'm talking musicals, I'll jump into the Bollywood that we love. OK, I mean, G- Gully Boy. It's a great, Gully Boy. great movie. Um, Billu Barber with okay. Shah Khan. I'm a huge I'm team Shah Rukh Khan. OK, um, I don't even know what that means. So. Shah Rukh Khan is an actor, famous actor. OK, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, 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 um, yeah, Jody, sweet movie, okay. um, Shah Rukh Khan movie. Um, in the uh, and so yeah, again, mine are much less. I love um, well, I love the kid with Bruce Willis. I love the Bruce kid. Willis is such a. I I love Snark, right? okay. and he's the king yeah. of Snark. Right? Okay, Bruce Willis, um, yeah, uh, love him in that. Um, um, I love The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, I, my goodness, love the music in that, yeah, and it's just again, there's some great humor. We're usually looking for humor and you know and yet the character in there obviously overcomes you know he he like yeah. steps starts living life yeah you know right, go, goes right. from not living to living and that's yeah. that's a beautiful thing that
0: my wife and i talked about that i think yesterday that yeah. movie because that was the first movie that i watched about two and a half years ago when i started to get back into watching movies as the first one i watched that got me back into it. I was like, this that's amazing
1: yeah and, I, it, and music is we did we love it in fact some of the music in that comes from a local minneapolis really? group. i can't remember who it is but yeah huh. it's a local group here that's a great movie um you didn't mention lord of the rings It just even though everybody I loves know. it you have to. yeah and for me I, it's like yeah. it just because it is just they're great so well i love done. lord of the, rings. You know, the yeah the uh the uh peter jackson great. versions yeah. obviously um
0: and the Hob- i mean people don't like the hobbit as much but yeah, whatever
1: yeah yeah <laughs> um i love um in the more serious movies, I love uh, like Good Will Hunting. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, Schindler's yeah. List. They're just yep. very, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of movies that make you stop and think. Yeah, and yeah. evaluate your life. Right. You make you want to be a better person. Right. Um, right. Slumdog I,
0: Millionaire is yeah
1: underrated. I feel like the people don't even talk about that, but that yeah. movie
0: was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it was it was a nice, uh, yeah, yeah, just a wonderfully redemptive story. True, uh, I loved it. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. 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 Um. On the sillies, the stupid side, we love like Mega Mind and Liar Liar. We, we just, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, I don't know about your family. We do a lot of quotes in our family. Okay. We're constantly like a well. I was just not, um, to Alan, um, who's the screenwriter, Alan Sorkin. Cut that out if I got it wrong. I don't know who but, you're talking about. Um, famous screenwriter. He was talking about how good, um, uh, he wrote West Wing. Oh, a showrunner okay. on West Wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how good dialogue has a musical quality to it. And we love movies that have like lines in it that we can quote. We just quote them ad nauseum because yeah, Cause it's true. Just a, a, yeah. Yeah. You said Megamind. Megamind. I love it's, that. That's so, <laughs> so stupid. That, that Will funny. Ferrell is Megamind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. That's a good one. Yeah. I've been asking my wife to watch that for the last couple of days.
0: <laughs> that's a good uh, movie. Yeah. We actually classic.
1: watched Cas- Casablanca last night and I was still, oh. I was still like Megamind. Come on, you know, Casablanca. Yeah. It was, it was great too, right? Yeah. But you know, but that was, Megamind I was is, in the mood for the yeah. bl- big blue head. Yeah, so man, whatever. It looks crazy. On the, um, I love uh Russell some of the Russell Crowe movies. Oh, yeah. uh, like Gladiator and um mm-hmm. Cinderella Man. Just oh, a yeah. just the heroic overcoming. Mm-hmm. Um If you don't like Gladiator, you're like, yeah, you're not a man. Whatever. Yeah, you're not a man, right? Yeah, yeah that's the
0: most manly yeah. movie ever. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just persevering in spite of right. like every obstacle, persevering into oh, death man. to reach yeah. your, to reach your uh, class. That's goal. a classic. Yeah. Um uh Apollo 13. Oh, you know um, Apollo
0: thirteen is that where they didn't make it? That's where they didn't that's make it. That's a good one. Yeah, is that Tom Hanks is in that? Yep. 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 That's yep. good.
1: That's good. Finding Forrester, I love Sean Connery. What is it? Right? Finding Forrester. It's about. I've never um, seen that. E. M. Um, oh, Forrester. E. M. Forrester. It's about a famous, uh, a young man, younger uh, who, on a bet. Uh, uh, breaks into Sean Connery's uh, apartment, this famous writer oh, who is a okay. recluse apartment, and he teaches them how to write, and they kind of basically teach each other. Uh, huh. the young man helps uh, Sean Connery's character to re-engage with life. yeah, and the um, uh, Sean Connery helps the young man embrace like his writing gift and huh. just really pursue it. And yeah, um, huh. yeah, beautiful book, a beautiful story. Um, I also have inception. Um, oh, really? Good, good, good. Another silly one, and then two serious ones. um Crash landing on you, Crash Korean. Landing?
0: I don't know. Oh, it's a Korean. Oh
1: yeah, you got to watch Crash Landing on You. Okay, the the, the best Korean drama. Um, have you seen Parasite? I know that's. I don't know if that's you know. Drama. I have, I've watched parts. I haven't watched the whole thing. It can. It this can, is yeah. Yeah. This is not like Parasite. No. Okay. Which okay. I need to watch Parasite. Sure. The serious. You know the the. Side of me should watch that movie, but Crash Landing on You is just more like sweet, like, you know, yeah. You have to realize why we watch movies. Sometimes when we're really stressed, we'll go home and watch Andy Griffith just because oh, yeah. it's like, you yeah. know, yeah. right. Andy brushes. Griffith
0: is the feel good movie or er, yeah. the show where uh, to, to an older generation, whereas like I would watch The Office, you yeah, know, exactly. To just, to like just people, laugh and people don't change, yeah, they're still, right.
1: they're just like, yeah. they're harmless, yeah. you know, yeah. you love Things them, go the end of the day, it's yeah. all okay, you know. Right. Right. Um, Band of Brothers, we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, Band of Brothers is a favorite series. mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. yeah, and then obviously I love the Bourne series. Oh, right, Um, yeah. Yeah, is there anything I missed on here? Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, that's
0: the greatest uh, comedy of all time. Yeah. I, I had memorized basically all the lines and yeah. the dance. I yeah. did the dance oh, at a wow. halftime show at, in, in high this school. This
1: isn't video. We could. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing it now. <laughs>
0: that's, um, th- that and Nacho Libre are the, my yeah. two favorite comedies. Yeah, I don't like Nacho Libre as much, but yeah. Uh, yeah. have you seen amsterdam amsterdam it came out a couple years ago christian bale margot robbie uh denzel washington's son you know, i can't remember.
1: i meant to see it and didn't it's I'll really go good. back and see it yeah
0: that's a, that's one of the newer ones that i've really liked that one in house of gucci which has lady yeah. gaga and adam driver yeah and uh yeah. some old we both have an old actor that i should know the name of but that i can't think of right now but um those are two more, more
1: recent ones that i thought were really good uh well, this is good though because i have to write this out. house of gucci and of amsterdam, gucci and Amp- yeah. amsterdam yeah. Um, for a while you know we're as since we're into international film i've been asking like i've asked my chinese friends hey give me the best 20 chinese movies you mm-hmm. know and wow. it's really interesting to see what people come up with and uh, yep. get outside your uh yeah, oh amsterdam. it's it's
0: uh al pacino lady gaga adam driver jared leto okay or Jared. i don't know if that's how you say it, jared, leto, jared yeah. leto but uh and then amsterdam has let's see let's see load 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 i know it has christian bale which i went on i also love i don't know if you like the nolan uh batman movies
1: Mm -hmm. i went on a
0: christian bale binge and he's one of my favorite actors as well yes
1: i watched Uh, him in i watched the big short oh i gotta week. watch that
0: because i think it's kind of confusing it can be a little bit confusing but yeah. i gotta re-watch that
1: it's a quirky fun movie though i mean fun in that is describing <laughs> yeah, you know right. the meltdown of the economy and
0: right right terrible. um yeah i mean that so those are a bunch of people who are listening you know write yeah. all those down and, and watch all of them and let us know if we're right on on our rankings or on on whether those movies are good or not um okay the there's Two questions I have left, and okay. then we can be done. I know that we're about an hour and forty minutes into this. Andrea wants me to be back home for dinner, and <laughs> at some point, yeah. and uh, you know, we talked about the projects that you're working on, how Silker Studio came to be, uh, what you're kind of kind of what you're working on right now, and and uh, you know, your movie, and I think people. I mean this is a difficult industry to try to get into the mm-hmm. filmmaking industry, but uh, you know, what do you hope for the future of Silker Studios? What what do you want this to be in 10 years, 20, 50, 100 years? Like what mm-hmm. do you what are you trying to create? What legacy are you trying to leave as a filmmaker and as as a studio?
1: Yeah, I mean, myself as a filmmaker, creating something. Beautiful. So creating something you can look, I still love that. Like when I look back to a photograph I've taken when everything came together, I can just kind of sit there. I think uh, our pastor, Craig Kruger, talks a lot about how each of us has our gift is to cultivate the garden in some unique way. Right. right. And so for people who write books, they're organizing thoughts into Mm -hmm. sentences. Um, For, I think, visual artists, our job is to, when we form something into something beautiful and we can uh you know you can look at that as this thing that's been created i think you've we've fulfilled part of our calling right yeah. and so you can uh take there's a there's a satisfaction about co-creating with god in a sense or being the yeah. mini right. creator to right. to make something organize that little piece of the world into something mm-hmm. beautiful um mm-hmm. i love that individually mission wise and just um I think the calling to raise up other creators and mm-hmm. to help people step into their gift. I'm a happy man when I can pe- put people to work, right. not in the sense about just making them work, but yeah. helping them find their calling. And um, that's what the mm-hmm. one of the phrases for the house, the discipleship house, we're in uh, is um, uh, the motto is purpose, service, and hope. Yeah. Right? That yeah. God created you; He wired you to do something. Yeah, right. Dedicate yourself. Right. Use that to serve to bring hope. Right. Uh, the hope of the kingdom. So mm. for Soaker Studios, the goal would be to – we really we have a quite concrete goal. We want to um, purchase or be given mm-hmm. a, uh, a farm or camp or ranch uh, within uh, commuting distance of the city so we can stay involved in the city yeah. where we create a film production facility. Nice. And basically, people come there to train in film, but we basically are creating, constantly creating, kind of in a sense of like the old – Hollywood studio model where you're where there's things happening every day yeah and um and then replicate that uh, around mm-hmm. the world, Kenya being hopefully one of the first locations where you yeah, have those right, similar right. parallel um studios mm-hmm. in uh, locations around the world where they're yeah. creating content for their people groups mm-hmm. um so that would be yeah. our, that's our big long term that mean
0: that's like the dream that's you know? the dream. that's to to be able to be in a highly creative workspace where people are doing stuff all the time and it's not just it's not all theory. It's fun to talk about stuff and it's fun to theorize yep. and do podcasts and talk about our yep. what we're doing. But to be around people who are like, yeah, here's my idea. I'm, you know, I'm gonna use money uh as a way to explain this, but I'm forty thousand dollars into this and I want to be a million dollars into it by the end of the year. It's like you've mm-hmm. started and you've got a goal, you know where you're going. And that's that's different. I mean, there's a lot of people I know who they'll talk about their ideas, but they don't ever do anything with them. And it's a yeah. different thing to create a space where people are doing Actively things with their ideas. It. Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. And for me, it's, it is. There is a sense that even as we're saying it, I'm realizing going back to where we started with that. I grew up in a studio where you walked around there, and there was like, there was like ten, twelve. Different bays in this yeah. larger studio, and in each bay there was a photographer creating something, working really? with an art director yeah. and creating something. I would love to be doing something like that on the film sense where you have yeah. projects going around. You can walk around and there's different projects at different stages of production. Right, and co collaboration. Um, I mean, yeah.
0: that's the thing. You, you can create your own story, but being able to give it to another director, or mm-hmm. pro- producer, or actor, and hey, read this and tell me if it sucks. <laughs> read this and right. tell me if it needs to change or and
1: just you can refine stuff and make it really, really great at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and find people who are the best, right? right? I think one of the things about being a producer is you don't have to be the best screenwriter. You just yeah. be able to be humble and smart enough. Yeah. And, and God has to bless you enough to send the right screenwriter to you. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then you say, okay, I'm going to step out of the way. And, you know, I think you're, right. you're hero, George Lucas, right? Like there's, yeah. him having the right person yeah. to take the right role at the right time. Yeah sometimes you know saved the whole project yeah well right? it,
0: it's I was literally just thinking about George Lucas too in a way because I think there's another aspect to this that's that I think is important and I don't, you and I haven't talked about this but I'm sure we would agree in some capacity is that the the goal shouldn't I guess for me in in storytelling, filmmaking, even in podcasting and some of the stuff that I've done creatively isn't necessarily to to make it absolutely perfect you know you can't and that's fine it's it's to make sure uh you know people question george lucas's writing ability and mm-hmm. his dialogue and it can feel clunky at certain points and awkward but it's made billions of dollars and everybody connects with it it's like in in, in some in right, some absolutely. way it's like The thing that's more important, even in the technicalities of a film, is actually what is the film trying to say and what are the relationships that it's developing and how is it connecting with its audience. That that can kind of make your mistakes go away in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And so to create great stories and great characters and great relationships on screen – doesn't mean you do everything perfect. It means right. that you try something, and you have the general philosophy right, and you try yeah. to create something out of that,
1: right? Yeah, and if you have a moment, that's great. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. no, totally. It's a it's a humbling art, right? Yeah. because it's right. so difficult that no matter what you do, it's people some people will look at it and go, yeah, yeah, whatever. You right, know? right. You they know, won't so. like it.
0: Some people will love it, and yeah. you just got to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when you said that that the that you love when you make something and you see it afterwards and it's just this is great, I took this picture, it looks great. Mm -hmm. There's podcasts that I've done where I'm like, I think, that that is one of my best interviews and i listened to it like three times just to get it like be like yeah. this is great like i nailed it on this one and i yeah. need to replicate this the next time but that that is satisfying in mm-hmm. a creative in the creative world to, to yeah. in you know the thing that i think that i've done the best other somebody else might be like that was terrible this one was better and i'll be like that one wasn't that good so everybody's right. kind of got a different perspective yeah. on it but yeah it's
1: no when but when you can sit back and enjoy it that's that's great that's gratifying totally yeah. totally yeah.
0: so um so yeah that's silker studio that uh if if people are listening before we wrap this up if people are listening and they're like hey i i, I love movies i love what they're talking about i want to be a part of this or i want to be involved or whatever i want to mm-hmm. do this uh mm-hmm. it one should they reach out to you two if they should reach out to you how should they reach out
1: to certainly, you certainly yeah probably our best our website is probably the easiest yeah. place to find us. Just yeah. silkerstudios. So s i l k e r okay. studios with an s. dot com. Yeah. There's contact form in there. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the easiest. Uh, I got a, I got a note this morning from a guy who's looking for a negative from like 1950 from one my and my dad took oh, you know really? which which we don't have. But yeah, so you, you can you can wrestling? find us. Not anymore. We had oh, it. Uh, sadly, they um. They sold the studio, and at one point, they were just like, yeah, we can't keep these forever. And so Dang. the person who bought it couldn't yeah. keep, didn't keep them forever. So, Yeah, and it's not around
0: in like, the studio. You said it's not around anymore.
1: No, um, it was my, my, uh, my mom sold it in the 80s, that yeah. studio, and then um, the guy who bought it sold it. He, he sold it, and uh-huh. so, yeah. Huh.
0: Wow. So it's no longer here.
1: No, it, they do Taekwondo there now.
0: <laughs> nice. So, that's just like. That's life, right? yeah, that's life, right? That's life. kind back back of fitting in a way. later, and right. your You're life like, is a Taekwondo is, shop. This is a Taekwondo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People even are like, was there actually a photography studio here? <laughs> that's was, right. Was, was this always Taekwondo? It's a big deal at the
1: time, apparently. <laughs> yeah,
0: all right. Uh, all right, well, Greg, this is fun. I mean, it was fun. in an hour, almost two hours. Uh, I love talking about movies, so this is great. And Absolutely. so. You know, we've been working on some stuff. Hopefully, people will be able to see some of that stuff in the next couple of years. uh, I appreciate
1: the work you've been doing. Yeah. 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 Thanks. It's going to be fun. Great. Well, thanks for doing this. See you next week. All right. Thanks.